the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is made possible through the sponsorship of the Word of Life Bible Fellowship and through the generous giving of faithful donors like you. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, you can visit us at awordforlife.com. Welcome to A Word for Life. A Word for Life is the radio ministry of the Word of Life Bible Fellowship, located in Tacoma, Washington. And now, here's Pastor Michael Fields with A Word for Life. So that's what it means to have life. Having life means you have been baptized into the body of Christ. The Spirit of God has given you new life in Jesus. Having existence is the experience of every person who comes into the world but remains disconnected from God because they have not accepted God's offer of salvation that is given to us through Jesus Christ. Dear ones, this is what we are told in, Ro- in John the third chapter. Hold your finger here in Romans 8, but let's all look real quickly. John the third chapter, because Jesus talks about this. John, the third chapter, verses 16 through 18, he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Here it is. He that believes on him is not condemned, but he that believes not is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. He that believes not is condemned already. Not will be condemned. You are condemned right now. Because you have not accepted and believed in the only only begotten Son of God. And so dear ones, the Lord in his sovereign wisdom has given to us a picture and a visual reminder of this truth every spring. Right now we're in spring and all the flowers are blooming and everything is taking place. God in his wisdom, his sovereign wisdom, has given us a reminder of this every springtime. Because dear ones, with, with spring what happens is all the flowers are now beginning to enter into the process of budding blossoming and then blooming but then they will begin to fade and then once they begin to fade all the petals fall off but as long as that flower remains planted in the ground that flower will will go through that whole process again so it will go through the whole process of budding blooming blossoming then fading but then budding again blooming blossoming it'll go through the whole process again because it has remained attached to the source of its life 
As long as the flower remains attached to the source of its life, it will go through that whole process. But when you have a flower and you cut the flower, it will also go through the process of because a cut flower will also bud and bloom and blossom. But when it fades, it doesn't come back. It fades and then goes away because you have cut it off from the source of its life. And so, dear ones, the Lord has given us a picture of this every spring. So the flower that remains attached to the ground, here we go now, the flower that remains attached to the ground has life. But the flower that has been cut only has existence. Lord have mercy. The flower that remains attached to the ground has life because it is connected to the source of its life. The flower that has been cut off from the source of its life, it only has existence. Dear ones, those individuals who talk about living their best life, if they have not accepted God's offer of salvation through Jesus Christ and been reconnected back to their source of life, even though they can talk about having their best life, in reality, what they're talking to you about is they're having their best existence because they don't have life. So that's the first thing. There was, we have to understand that there is a difference between life, having life, versus having existence. But the second thing that we want to see, dear ones, is that because we now have life, new life, that has been provided to us through Jesus Christ and is being given to us by the indwelling presence of His Spirit that lives within our lives, dear ones, new life also brings with it new power, a new purpose, a new pattern, and a new practice. New life also brings with it. It doesn't come by itself. It brings with it a new power, a new purpose, a new pattern, and a new practice. Now, new power is what we now have through the power of the Holy Ghost who lives within us. We now have new power because the Spirit of God is living within us. A new purpose is what we have because our lives now have been given new meaning, new significance, a new focus, and new goals. We're no longer, as a, as a born-again believer in Jesus, we should not be living for ourselves. Amen. We should be living to serve and please the Lord. Right. So we have a new purpose. We also have been given a new pattern. Because, dear ones, now we seek to live our lives in a way that is pleasing to God, in a way that is acceptable to God, in a way that is honoring and glorifying to God. So as a born-again believer, we should be seeking to live our lives in a way that is honoring and pleasing to God and acceptable to the Lord. And then also, dear ones, we have been given a new practice because what we have now is our lives now are lived in direct connection, direct, uh, direct direction, and direct agreement with the Spirit of God that lives within us. So we now have a new pattern. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. There were things that you wanted to do Because your old pattern was to do certain things a certain way. And you started to operate according to that old pattern. And the Spirit of God said, no, 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 no. We don't don't operate like that no more. We don't do things like that no more. You don't talk like that no more. You don't walk like that no more. You don't say things like that no more. That's that's where the old saints would get that from. I'm explaining it to you. But some of us have gotten this from the old saints when they say, you know, the way I used to walk, I don't walk that more. I don't walk that way no more. 
We used to talk. I don't talk that way no more. I don't talk like I used to talk. I don't walk like I used to walk. I don't live like I used to live. There was that's the, that's what the old saints used to say. They're trying to basically say to us, God has given me by His Spirit a new pattern of life. I now have a new pattern. This is why the scripture says Romans eight sixteen. the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that you are a child of God. If you see a person living according to their old pattern and there's no conviction in them, you want to question whether that person has ever really been born again. Yeah, I said it. Yes, I said it. I'm going to say it again. For those of you watching my video, I'm going to say it again. If you have a person who is living their life according to their old pattern, and there is no sense of conviction. There is no sense of, 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 of caution that rises up within them. There is nothing speaking to them and letting them know this is not right. This needs to stop. You cannot do like you once did. You cannot live like you used to live. You now have a new pattern. You have a new power. You have a new practice. Everything is different because the Spirit of God is living on the inside of you. If that none of that is there, you want to question whether that person has really ever come to know Jesus. Show me a person who hasn't had a transformational change of some capacity in their life since they came to Jesus. And I will show you somebody who hasn't met Jesus yet. Yes, I said it. And I meant it because the Bible says it. We, 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 we've got to get to the place, dear ones, where we make this abundantly clear because souls are dependent upon this. People's eternal destinies are dependent upon this. We got a lot of people walking around. I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. And there's no change. There's no transformation. There's no nothing. You living like you once did. You still out there pimping. You still out there selling drugs. You still out there fornicating. You still out there doing all kinds of stuff that you did before you got saved. You got saved. How is that possible? How is that possible? Jesus went through all that he went through on Calvary for that? Lord have mercy. And so, as I said, there was the, the, the change, the transformation that takes place. But let's go back to Romans, the eighth chapter. Let's go back. Because as we turn our attention back to these verses of Scripture that we have taken as our text on today, we see Paul entering into a series of questions and responses. He begins to ask a series of questions and give responses to the questions that he begins to ask. Now, the questions that Paul begins to ask, they're all rhetorical questions in nature because they're, they all address things that Paul has already previously discussed with them. So Paul is basically asking questions that he has already answered in the previous things he has said. And all of the responses to the questions that Paul gives all have a negative response attached to them. And so all of the answers are either no Nothing or no one. All the answers are all have a negative response. So it's it, Paul is asking the question and the answer, a rhetorical question, and the answer is no or nothing or no one. Now, dear ones, as we look at what Paul is saying to us here in these verses, there are at least three additional things that the resurrection, uh, the death of Jesus on Calvary, I should say, the death of Jesus on Calvary in our place and his resurrection from the dead can remind us of. So the first one of those things, dear ones, is this. The, resurrect, the death of Jesus on Calvary and his resurrection from the dead, it can remind us that if God is with me and if God is for me, then I can withstand and overcome anything that can come against me. Amen. That's the first thing it can remind us of. That if God is with me and if God is for me, then I can withstand and overcome anything that comes against me. Notice what we're told in verses 31 and 32. 
What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? We will get back to Pastor Fields and to today's message in just a moment. But we wanted to take a moment to share with all of you that the aim of our radio ministry at the Word of Life Bible Fellowship is to share the good news of Jesus Christ with as many people as possible and to strengthen and edify the body of Christ through Bible teaching that is both clear and relevant. We would like to see this ministry go even farther in accomplishing this work, but in order for us to be able to do that, we need your help. If you are able... After you have given to the support of your own local home church, if you are able to help us with the cost of airing this program on the station, we would greatly appreciate it. All donations are tax deductible, and they can be sent to the Word of Life Bible Fellowship, P.O. Box 8903, Tacoma, Washington, 98418. And if you would like to learn more about our ministry and be able to listen to some of the archived messages from Pastor Fields, you can do so by visiting us at our website, which is awordforlife.com. And now, let's get back to Pastor Fields and to today's message. Now, there was this truth is brought out for us in what Paul says to us here, and Paul is highlighting for us the overwhelming sense of comfort and confidence that we now are able to have that is rooted and grounded in the following two facts. Fact number one is this. If God spared no expense in making salvation available to me, but was willing to give the very best that he had and the one who was closest to his heart in order to make it possible for me to be saved. That's fact number one. Fact number two is this. If Jesus spared no expense in making that same salvation available to me and was willing to give up his very life in order to secure it for me. Dear ones, if those two facts are true and they are true, then what possibly can come against me that God will not also give me everything I need to be able to get through it and to have victory in it and to overcome it? Amen. If those two facts are true, if God spared no expense, if Jesus spared no expense, what else can come against me that God won't give me what I need? This is where Paul is getting the confidence to make his assertion in verse 37. Notice what it says in Romans 8, 37. Paul says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I'm not just a conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved us. And so, dear ones, what Paul is helping us to understand is we can have confidence. We can have comfort in knowing that whatever comes against me, because of the simple fact of Jesus dying on Calvary in my place and then rising from the dead, those two facts let me know whatever comes against me, God will give me everything I need to get through it. God will give me everything I need. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to wonder about it. I don't have to question it. I don't have to doubt it. I know God will give me everything I need to get through it. But the second thing that all this reminds us of, dear ones, is that it reminds us that because of all that Jesus has done for us, things like guilt and shame no longer have the ability to hold us, to harass us, or to control us. Because of all that Jesus has done for us, things like guilt 
and shame no longer have the ability to, har- to hold us, to harass us, and to control us. Notice what we're told in verse 33. It says, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Now, dear ones, from what we're told in that one verse of Scripture, there are several things we want to take note of. One thing is that the word charge that is used here, it comes from a Greek word that means to call in as due one's debt. The word charge means to call in as due one's debt. Or it also means, dear ones, to demand payment for what one owes to another. So you're calling in due the debt. Somebody owes you something. And, and, and you, you personally, you've lent, you've lent something out to somebody. You've given something out to somebody. But you personally go through a time of financial difficulty or financial hardship. And so you call that person up and say, hey, bro, you know that money I lent you? I need it. You're calling due that debt. You're calling in what is owed to you. And so, dear ones, we see here sin being referred to as the building up of a debt that one now owes to another. And the reason for this is because in whatever way it is that we have sinned, what we have done is we have produced for ourselves a measure of indebtedness to God and a measure of guilt for ourselves before God. That both must be extinguished and canceled out. Lord have mercy. Hold your finger here in Romans. Because some of y'all look like, what, what, what a wave up. Well, hold on now. Hold your finger here in Romans. And let's all turn Matthew, the sixth chapter. Notice how Jesus refers to the issue of sin in Matthew, the sixth chapter. Notice what the Lord says there, how he refers to the issue of sin. Romans, or, I'm sorry, Matthew, the sixth chapter, starting at verse nine. Notice what Jesus says. He says, after this manner, therefore, pray ye, our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Any of us know this prayer? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Here we go. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Notice how Jesus identifies the issue of indebtedness with also the issue of trespassing or trespasses against somebody, sins against people. And so Jesus identifies the issue of sin with being indebted, owing a debt to God. And so, dear ones, what Jesus lets us know here and what this helps us to see is that whenever we sin, we are doing at least two things. Whenever a person sins, they are doing at least two things. One, they are building up a debt that must be canceled out. And then two, we are earning wages that must be paid out. Because we're told in Romans 6, chapter, verse 23, that the wages of sin is debt. And so when we sin, when a person sins, they are building up a debt that must be canceled out, but they're also earning wages that must be paid out. But back in Romans, the eighth chapter, because the other thing that we want to notice from what Paul says here, let's read it one more time. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. The word justify that is used here, it comes from a Greek word that means to set someone free from their guilt through a judicial act. To set someone free from their guilt 
through a judicial act. And so what is being discussed here, dear ones, is more than just having someone tell you concerning what you have done. It's okay. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Forget about it. Uh, 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 it's fine. It's all right. There, that's not what we're talking about here. That is not what it means to be justified. What, what it means to be justified, it means that something is being done that is both legal, judicial, and official. Something is happening here where this person is, is taking the issue of what has been done and their guilt for what has been done and making it to- and totally canceling it out in a legal and official and judicial way. And now, dear ones, what we need to keep in mind is this. Even though our acts of sin may be committed against other people, ultimately, dear ones, all sin is against God. Even though I may sin against Minister Shell or I may sin against Brother Foreman, yes, I have sinned against them, but ultimately, the sin that I have committed is ultimately against God. All sin is ultimately an act of rebellion and disobedience against God. But dear ones, notice here, we are told that God is the one who is justifying me. Notice the text. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Now, the Lord's ability to do this for me is not based upon the fact that he has just decided to look the other way concerning my sin. He just decided, you know what? I I like you, Michael, so I'm going to look the other way. I ain't going to hold that against you no more. That is not what we're talking about. Because, dear ones, and this is why we talked about it in Sunday school, the very nature of God will not and cannot allow him to do that. God's very nature cannot allow him to just look the other way concerning sin. His very nature. Cats meow. Dogs bark. Cows moo. God's nature will not allow him to excuse sin. All those things operate based on their nature. God's very nature does not allow him to just look the other way when it comes to our sin. Those things must be addressed. God the Father is now able to do all this for us because the issue of our debt and our guilt for our sins has been both fully paid out and fully canceled out because of what Jesus has accomplished for us in dying for our sins. Through the sacrificial death of Jesus in my place, the issue of God's wrath that was against me for my sins has been fully addressed because the wrath of God was fully poured out on Jesus in my place. And also through the sacrificial death of Jesus on Calvary, the issue of my debt to God has been dealt with because the issue of my debt has been fully paid through Jesus. Hold your finger here in Romans and let's all look at Isaiah, the 53rd chapter. Isaiah, the 53rd chapter. Notice what we're told in verses 3 through 5. And then I'm going to jump over to verses 10 and 11. Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, starting at verse 3, it says, He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Yet surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Here we go. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. 
All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now jump down to verse 10. It says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you shall make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. In other words, dear ones, the whole issue of my guilt and my indebtedness to God has been officially, judicially dealt with. Hello, dear ones. This is Pastor Michael Fields. And here at the end of today's broadcast, I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you to all of you for taking the time out of your day to tune in and listen to our program. My hope is that today's broadcast has been a blessing to you in some way and has helped you in your walk and in your relationship with the Lord. And I want to encourage all of you to tell a friend about this program and join us here next time as we look into the riches of God's Word in order to find a word for life. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.